0: A gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. And the one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more. But the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter Throw him into the outer darkness, well, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Almighty God, you call us to be your disciples. Help us to keep you first in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the text is one of those strange texts, again, like last week's. So this is round two. And uh, actually, next week will be round three, but we don't have it next week. so. So what causes joy in the book of Matthew? Joy is found in finding the infant Jesus having rewards in heaven, hearing God's word, finding a treasure in the field which represents the kingdom of God, finding a lost sheep, finding an empty tomb with the word that Jesus has been raised. For the most part, joy in Matthew comes as a result of what God has done. Sending Jesus, speaking God's word, the coming of the kingdom, saving the lost, resurrection, or the gospel, the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ. So we get to this parable today, and we have to ask the question, who is Jesus? And specifically, who is Jesus in this parable? Typically we think that the man who goes away and comes back is Jesus. And that's a good, solid answer. But there are some problems with it. But as I looked at this text, I thought that maybe Jesus might be the third servant the servant who was the honorable one. Because in first century thought, to take your treasure and bury it in the ground is the best thing to do. But that third slave was also the one who was cast into darkness and everything taken from him. Who is Jesus in the parable? It might be Jesus is the one who's hidden in the ground. Or it might be something else altogether. Let's look at the parable literally. The story, the parable, is about the master who is a very wealthy landowner. He is wealthy beyond measure. He gives his top three employees certain parts of his estate, and then he goes on a trip, literally. And the three associates are told to do and raise money with the money they have been given. So if we take this story and we put it back in Jesus' day, we'll understand that Jesus was talking to the peasants in Palestine. And when he mentioned the wealthy landowner and having five talents and two talents and one talent, that would be worth about $6 million today. A talent was how much money you could make in 15 years. And if he talked about the three people representing the landowner, the peasants would understand who that wealthy person represented. They knew that they would be talking about People who own their homes, the ones who raise taxes, the ones with power to change the laws, the ones to put constraints on their freedom, and the ones to keep them in poverty. At this point, I learned from the adult class, I need to say the wealthy one, the landowner, was Rome. They're the ones that controlled the life of the poor. So the three guys in charge, the top guys, the people would understand what that meant, too. Those three men were ordered to get money and multiply it any way they saw fit. And that meant more pressure on the peasants, the poor people. So we have set up a corrupt system. Rome at the top getting richer. And most likely the Pharisees and temple getting wealthier by supporting Rome. And the poor would be getting poorer. So then we get to the part of the text where the wealthy man comes back. The first two servants get rewarded for what they do. We're told to do, make more money. And to make money in Jesus' day of doubling your money meant that you did things that were corrupt. You oppressed the poor. You controlled the temple money and charged high interest rates. You sold commodities to Rome and made lots of money. The idea was money was limited. It was not capitalism like we understand it. Money was limited, and in order to double your money, that meant you took that doubled money away from someone else. But the third slave, the third servant, he takes the money that is given to him, he puts it in the ground and buries it. Doesn't sound very wise thing to do, but you have to remember that with armies coming across your land and burning your cities, and there were no banks per se, just rich people, you took your money and you buried it in the ground, and after the conquering army went by and you were still alive, you would go back to the tree and mark off your 15 paces and dig your money back out of the ground. So the third slave took the money, buried it in the ground, which was lead legal. The third slave in the parable, the third person in many parables is the hero. Can you think of a parable that has a third person hero, like maybe the good Samaritan? So the third servant was the hero. And he saw the master for what the master really was. He was told to double his money. And if he did it, he would have to become corrupt, part of the corrupt system. And so the third servant, slave, refused. He tells his boss, I know you are a harsh man. I don't want any more of this. Here's your money back. In verse 26, we see that this third servant names the master. And the master replies, So you thought I was wicked, that I reap where I didn't sow. The master, the boss, doesn't argue the point at all. He just says, did you do, what did you do with my money? And because he did not do what the master wanted, the money was given to someone else. The third slave was fired. The third slave was made a peasant, and he was out of the lap of luxury life forever. What makes the third slave a hero is that he knew the risk. And he was willing to risk being poor himself to have to live among the oppressed to break the cycle of corruption. And that was his sacrifice. So in the parable, Jesus is giving the people an illustration of the world. Rome controlled all wealth. The Jewish temple, and the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and the Herodians com- controlled the income of the religious side of life. And Jesus becomes the one who is sacrificed. And so for us, it makes a lesson in what do we do for social justice when we're called to do something. We're called to take one step to fight something that is oppressing people. The parable was written by Matthew and it's found only in Matthew. And what was Matthew? Thank you, a tax collector. He understood how the Roman Empire worked. Being cast into our outer darkness... The Christians that were around Matthew understood what was being talked about. Rome would punish anyone who was different, that did not agree with their system. And so those disciples had great faith. They didn't know when Jesus was returning and they found out that they were quickly becoming isolated in the world they were living in, and they worried. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and yet they wanted to hide. These early Christians were in a hard place. They started out as Jews and Jewish worship in the synagogues, They were separated from that. The synagogue itself took a change because Rome persecuted those who would rebel. And the synagogue, not the temple, became the center of religious life. The synagogue also became less tolerant of diversity, The temple was destroyed, all of Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. The fortress of Masada was destroyed about that same time, and the religious view of the Jews became very narrow, because they wanted to survive. The Jewish dispersal took place at that time. Jews were sent all over the world with the fall of Jerusalem. The Sadducees and the Zealots were destroyed because they wanted to overthrow Rome, and all that was left were the Pharisees. The Pharisees remained powerful. They did just enough to keep Rome at peace, and worshiping the law became most important. Obedient, purity, life became their teaching. That attitude made the Christians even farther apart from Jewish worship. Those who were baptized into Christ had a different view of the law the Christians saw religious laws as a force that would drive one to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the law itself was not salvation. Salvation became Jesus. They did not have the same understanding of the law as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees looked at this new group called Christians and they thought they were becoming even more polluted because those early Christians reached out and asked the Gentiles to believe in Jesus Christ too. So not only were the Christians not following the law, they were allowing Gentiles to believe in Jesus, and they were separated even farther. So the parable. It's a parable about money. It's a parable about Rome, controlling money. It's a parable about two slaves who were supporting Rome, the Jewish religious leaders, and one slave who was cast into the outer darkness and crucified Jesus, who is our Christ. So we look at the book of Matthew, and what does it say? It says, joy comes as the result of what God has done. Sending Jesus, speaking the word, the coming of the kingdom, the saving of the lost, and a belief, a trust in the resurrected Christ. Or in simpler terms, it is the gospel, the good news of what God has done in Jesus Christ.